everyone, and welcome to the Hour Two Cents podcast with MBA. I'm Jackson Hathaway, Senior Vice President of Marketing, Communication, and Member Service. We're glad you can join us for this episode of the podcast, which focuses on the recently finished legislative session here in Jefferson City, Missouri. As many of you remember, the legislature was actually in session when the coronavirus crisis forced it to close early. The legislature reconvened in order to finalize the most important piece of work required by state law, finalizing the state's budget. And while many expected this session to be wholly focused on the budget, the reality was it was a very busy period, as numerous bills were brought up for discussion and amendments and ultimately moved to the finish line for signature by the governor. Our lobbying team here at the MBA was very busy connecting with legislators and other parties to ensure that the bills most relevant to banks in the state were considered. And we're happy to report there were numerous outcomes that were favorable for our members. So in this episode, we interview Craig Overfelt, our Senior Vice President for Government Relations, and David Kent, our Vice President of Legislative Affairs, and ask them to give us a report on session and to detail for our banks the most important bills that came across that they'll need to be aware of as we move through the rest of the year. With that, here are Craig and David. So since it was such an odd and different session given the COVID-19 crisis, I want to start, guys, by just asking you, what were your general impressions of the session? Well, Jackson, I've wrapped up my 38th session lobbying for the financial institutions and banking associations, and it was unlike any other. They're all a little different, but this one ranks up there with the most unusual and different sessions we've ever encountered. Started off in January, a lot of hope for a lot of productive issues to get accomplished, and then something happened around mid-March. COVID-19, we called it the pandemic session. Lawmakers basically went home and stayed there for up to seven weeks at the time of the session where they get a lot done. Then on April the 27th, they returned to Jeff City to get a budget done by the constitutional deadline of Friday, May the 8th. In three weeks, they accomplished a lot, a lot more than anybody thought. And today I thought we could go over some of the large omnibus bills that were passed. I will say the NBA had a remarkable session. It was amazing considering that everyone was encouraged to stay home. And so your lobbying team, Dave Kent, myself, and Emily Lewis, with a lot of assistance from our general counsel, T. Thornburg, did just that. And David, what were your reactions as you realized that session was going to be uh, continued, maybe is the best way to put it, but in a format that required you to not go to the Capitol. Yeah, just to follow up with what Craig has said, I mean, this this session, and you, you heard this word a lot during debate on the floor, both the House and the Senate, this was an unprecedented year. Uh, never before have, have lawmakers gone home from break for six weeks, where literally no action was taking place. There was a lot of uncertainty as lawmakers came back, exactly what they would focus on. There was a lot of co coverage in the media that outside of the budget, they may focus on a, a few things here and there related to COVID, but, but fairly early on when they came back, it was crystal clear that they were going to do a lot more than just that. Uh, they created uh, quite a few huge omnibus bills. And what we mean by that is they may take one bill that's two pages long, and they may throw, you know, 25, 30 plus different issues into that bill, uh, into a vehicle that's moving through the legislative process. 
uh, in hopes that they can, uh, at the end of the day, they'll, they'll truly agree and finally pass that bill and send it on, on to the governor. Um, there are over 2,000 bills filed this year and 29 policy bills. And what we mean by policy bills is, is take out the budget bills and some of the resolutions, and you, you came up with 29 policy bills that were truly agreed this year. Now, to be fair, many of those had several measures that were were included in, in that bill. So um, final count, they, they probably got, as Craig said, they got a lot of stuff done. Um, the, the, the bill count is, is low, but I think they got quite a, quite a bit of measures passed and onto the governor. So um, quite a year. Yeah, it was definitely one of the more unique sessions I think anyone has ever seen. And at the same time, despite how compressed the timeline was and how strange it was, for everyone who's uh, either advocating or who's trying to pass legislation, uh, it was uh, fairly effective on a number of fronts. And, and particularly when we look at what the NBA was advocating for, for our banks, I know there were some things that um, you guys were excited to be able to share with our members. So I, I want to really get a little more specific here and ask, when you look through the list of priorities we had coming into session, how do you feel about uh, certain outcomes, specific outcomes that you think bankers need to know about? Yeah, Jackson, one issue in particular that will have a long-lasting impact for not just banks, but also um, uh, Missourians and businesses alike, uh, is reforms to the notary statute. Uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, when he was elected, one of his priorities was to come in and really look into that notary statute. And as a matter of fact, um, he has decided to redraft the entire notary statute, modernize it, align it. Um, and, and make it more uh, straightforward and clear and uh, and really bring it back into the 21st century. And part of that is, uh, is uh, authorizing the Secretary of State to implement electronic and remote notary, which is huge. Uh, and in particular, in light of what was going on with social distancing orders and all that going on around the state, it was pretty clear that um, not being able to notarize documents was uh, going to be a huge um, impediment to to financial transactions and business being able to move forward and continue uh, throughout the state. Now, the governor worked with the Secretary of State to uh, uh, implement an executive order um, that would allow for electronic and remote notary, and that's great. Uh, it will um, it will uh, it lasts until middle of June, however, um, which means it's only going to be there for so long. So this was a very big priority for the NBA uh, and as well as other groups to get the electronic and remote notary uh, authorized here in the state. And um, that was one of our big goals for the year. And that is uh, that has passed and is on to the governor's desk in House Bill 1655. So we're very, very proud of that. I think that's going to be, a, a as I said before, a long-lasting impact for years and years and years for uh, for notaries across the state. And uh, heading into the session, one of our top priorities is working with State Treasurer Scott Fitzpatrick on the Link Deposit Program, which has run up against the cap a few years ago and created all kinds of issues for businesses, small businesses, farmers, and bankers alike. So that bill got moving very quickly in the Senate, Senate Bill 599, thanks to Senator Justin Brown and Banking Chairman Paul Whelan. They moved that bill through the Senate real quickly. The one-subject bill went over to the House, and the foresight of Banking Chairman um, 
Jack Bonden and Vice Chairman Brewster Grote and the rest of the committee members to put 11 different bills on that bill and send it out to the House floor before the break was critical in getting that bill through the process. So within that bill, we have the changes in the link deposit program to move the cap to 800 million from 720 million, including an increase to 190 million for small business lending. And importantly, MBA was able to uh, get a provision in there that prioritizes the renewals of any link deposits over making new link deposit loans in the event that the cap is ever approached again. And while that was going on, we were working with the treasurer to the treasurer started up the time deposit program again, which is very important to bankers, especially now. And in that provision, we increased the amount of any one institution or bank that could do time deposits to 15% from 10 since he was starting over from zero. The bill also includes some important uh, updates and reforms to mortgage loan originators law, which the Division of Finance have worked very hard to pass for two years in a row. And there are many other provisions in there that were added on that were non-controversial banking provisions. That bill came up very early in the House in the last three weeks and made it to the Senate with two weeks to go in the session. We were very appreciative of that getting accomplished and to the finish line. And look forward to the governor signing that so that those two important programs can continue. And those bills were obviously, like you said, very important from the get-go uh, for MBA. And I know that, like you said, there are members of the Senate and House that were critical in, in helping make sure those crossed the finish line. Uh, there were some other bills along the way, though, that I know you were excited about. Uh, and some of them may seem a little bit removed, maybe, from uh, banking itself, but at the same time have important implications for what happens across the state economically and, uh, and for our member banks as well as for their communities. So curious, other bills uh, that kind of fall into those categories that uh, you think our members need to know about? Yeah, certainly one um, that, that uh, was introduced very early in session was a rural broadband grant program extension. Uh, this program expires in 2021, and it was very important that we get it extended out, uh, and they officially uh, extended that out to 2027. Um, 1.2 million Missourians don't have access to broadband. Uh, that's a lot of folks, especially when you consider how everything is going online. Uh, people are working remotely. They are doing their banking either on the app or at home on the computer. Uh, so it's really, really important that uh, we really expand rural broadband, uh, excuse me, broadband internet services, uh, in, and in particular in the rural areas. Um, we're also excited they did put into the budget uh, $5 million for that program. And there was a lot of discussion, obviously, on the budget in general, but when lawmakers came back, that, that provision, that $5 million, or the, the funding for that program was actually removed for a little while. Um, and they decided to put it back in. Lawmakers thought it was really important, and it is very important for, for across the state. Um, so we're very happy about that. And that's something that people think, well, why are you guys, why is the NBA in support of, of rural broadband expansion? Well, the answer is very easy. You know, as people do their banking online and do their banking on the phone, um, and fast Internet access is, is a necessity now. Yes, uh, and another one, that, another issue that uh, came up, during the session that we worked with the auto dealers on and another group on that, that represents salvage pools and dealers and dismantlers 
came to fruition on the last day of the session when the legislature put through a bill with probably at least 40 other bills on it in the last three hours, and the House picked it up and passed it. I think it was the last bill that passed right before 6 p.m. in German on May 15th. The agreement with the auto dealers comes to fruition after numerous meetings, and the issue that the dealers are having, especially in the Kansas City, St. Louis area, and some border areas, is that other states allow customers to take possession of a vehicle without the actual transfer of the certificate of ownership and title. So in working through this issue, the NBA was able to secure some very significant consumer protections, protections for lenders, so that if the deal falls apart and the dealer doesn't deliver the paperwork and the title within 30 days, then the lender can basically made whole in the consumer too. And this is a very important uh, distinction there. On the salvage pools and dealers and dismantlers, we were able to secure some language so that these types of firms could get a junking certificate or title. And through the notice the lenders and such, if the lender finds out they actually have a lien on one of these, they can go get the vehicle back without having to go to court, which will save an additional step there. So those bills went together in House Bill 1963 toward the end of the session. It includes a lot in it, including the, the uh, ability for motorcycle riders not to wear helmets and such. So it'll be very interesting to see if that bill makes it to the finish line through the governor's review process. And another one I was wanting to cover while we're at it, there's some very significant tort reform legislation passed in Senate Bill 591. Part of the tort reform coalition of the NBA is also a part of on civil uh, liability. And one of the bills that David and I have been working on for a long time, I guess about 10 years, was the Missouri Merchandise Practices Act reform. This bill includes that plus some uh, language on punitive damages to help all business in the state of Missouri. And a little bit later, we'll cover another issue here on this um, broadcast about civil liability in dealing with uh, the COVID crisis for not only healthcare workers, but for essential businesses like banks and bank customers. That it has the potential to be come up in a special session potentially. Yeah, and that's probably a good segue into uh, something that I'm sure is on many people's minds because there were issues that didn't make it all the way through. Uh, things like you described, Wayfair is another one that could be drivers for a special session. What are you thinking the odds are for a special session? What would be the focus if there was one? Uh, have you heard any conversations about it? Well, I'll start. I think it's about 85, 90%, maybe 100% that lawmakers are going to be called back into what is called a special session, and that's something that the governor generally puts together and calls them back to deal with specific issues. In this case, the number one issue would probably be budget, further budget uh, negotiations, particularly in light of the money coming down from Washington, D.C. through the CARES Act and other stimulus programs that lawmakers have to appropriate. But at the same time, um, there's a lot of discussion about the potential for a Wayfair, which is the online sales and use tax issue, that Missouri is the only one of two states that has a sales tax. Florida and Missouri are the only two states that haven't put that together yet, passed it into law. So this is important for uh, bankers, not only for the local businesses that rely on uh, that kind of, uh, you know, 
competitive advantage and disadvantages they're dealing with, but also the local governments and the revenue loss that they're having in the state to some extent. Well, on the last day of the session, the state Senate got very close to getting a bill done. I think if they had, had a few more days, they might have. So that's a possibility. The governor's under a lot of pressure on all kinds of issues. And one during the session that David and I spent uh, quite a bit of time working on with a number of other groups was some civil legal liability protections for healthcare workers and essential workers, like most of the bank customers and banks themselves that put themselves out there during this COVID emergency. And that was getting close to getting accomplished, but simply is, is uh, pretty hard to pull together to compromise on on a issue like that in a short period of time. So that's kind of my take. I don't know when they'll come back. It'll probably be sometime perhaps in June or even July. David, anything to add on the special session uh, potential? Uh, you know, I, I think Wayfair will be very interesting to see if it, if it does uh, get called in for a special session. Um, and Craig is, is 100% right. They were making progress, particularly over in the Senate side, on, on that issue. Um, the, the real disagreement, just to get down into the weeds a little bit, is what to do with all that additional revenue. Um, as we see, there's some, there's some budget concerns moving forward, obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a group that really wants to take that additional revenue and then have a tax cut on the other side so it's revenue neutral. You've got some that like to take that additional revenue, uh, put it in towards uh, infrastructure, the roads and the bridges. You've got some that want to take it and, and use it for health care. So really, that I think everybody agrees that Wayfair is important. It's what to do with that additional revenue. Um, that's where the disagreement is, and that's what's kind of log jammed it so far. Uh, and we'll see. I, I think they did make some really good progress. Uh, the last few, well, right before they broke uh, in mid-March, they were making progress on it. They came back, and it probably just wasn't enough time to be able to really dig down and and um, debate those issues. Because uh, you know, as you can tell, with three three weeks left in the budget to do, there's a very limited time to debate bills on the floor. Because um, at that time, the clock is ticking to the the Friday 6 p.m. at May 15th whenever they had to adjourn. So um, we'll, we'll see. I, I know that it's it's a very important issue for the state, especially since a lot of people are shopping online, um, since there, there are social distancing orders um, and the stay-at-home orders. So um, we'll, we'll see. I think that's probably going to be brought up over the interim, but um, we'll see what happens. And the NBA has, a, has been very involved in this policy debate with some very important language that we have kept in every version for two years now. In the definition of what is a marketplace facilitator, basically those that are collecting the uh, online sales tax and use tax, we've got a very important exemption in there that a financial institution is not a marketplace facilitator. So uh, we're very pleased that everybody's in agreement on that and has been for over two years now. Yeah, it seems like a very important piece of the puzzle. And I know our banks appreciate it. So there are, of course, uh, outside issues that affect every session. And one of those is that we are a state with term limitations. And even though we've concluded this session, that doesn't mean that the work of um, thinking about what next session might look like or even a special session and um, how that could all be impacted by lawmakers and elections uh, changing the kind of space of the statehouse. 
So I'm just uh, going to ask you to, as you look at term-limited lawmakers and election, uh, elections across the state, what's rising to the top of your radar and should be for our members? Well, it's, uh, it's a little bittersweet at times when you see some of these long-term lawmakers that are leaving after being here for eight years in the House and eight years in the Senate. In our case, Senator Mike Cunningham from Rogersville and Representative Noel Shull, who spent his entire career in the banking industry, are both term limited. There's 11 state senators that are not going to be able to run for re-election again. The list is a long one, but a lot of uh, very talented, thoughtful policymakers like David Sater, Jamila Nasheed. The list goes on and on. And the election season has already started, even though the session was ended on Friday. They're back in full bloom, heading toward the August primary and the November uh, elections. And your NBA staff will be very engaged with our bankers. And, and that's one of our strengths is our local bank presence in working with the lawmakers. So we would urge all the bankers that are listening to this call to uh, monitor their local area in elections and stay in touch with your DR staff And when we get through that process. David, you got anything to add to that? No, just that it's hard to believe we're, what, three months from the August primary and six months from the November election. Uh, it doesn't seem right. It's just right around the corner. So, uh, and Craig's 100% right. Um, we'll, we'll be focused in on the elections, and um, we do recommend all the bankers, please contact us. If you know someone that's running uh, in your area, please let us know. That's uh, invaluable for us, particularly when we go to meet folks. We always like to talk about who they know in their area. And first thing we do obviously is, is bring up their bankers in the area. So um, that's very helpful for us as we get to know these, these candidates um, and p potential office holders. And believe it or not, we've already started planning for next session. The few issues that we know will be back. One is the property assessed clean energy program pace that we were making good progress on this session. And that just kind of, fizzled out with a number of issues that just didn't have time to be vetted properly. And other things that we'll be working with our Government Relations Committee and Board of Directors on as the year progresses. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I know it's been a strange, as you said, the strangest session for you, Craig, in over 30 years. And I think this will be a landmark one for all of us who are alive during this period. But um, uh, for the bankers out there who are curious what even a remote session is like, um, these folks on our GR team are working tirelessly on your behalf. They were uh, up late watching debates, up early watching debates, uh, paying attention to hearings, talking to lawmakers. So uh, if you have, to their point, uh, contact with people in your area who might be running for office or there are issues that you're concerned about, please know that here at the MBA, our GR team is always uh, here to connect with you, to communicate, to listen, and make sure that everything that our bankers are doing is being supported by the work of the MBA up at the State House. Gentlemen, thanks so much for your time, and we look forward to hearing from you uh, a little further after you get a bit of a break and uh, can start to plan on what's coming next. Thanks, Thank you, Jackson. Jackson.